time again we've got another international break some people love it most people hate it but there is some good that comes out of it occasionally and international breaks do of course give football players a chance to win their very first cap an honour that they'd have been waiting their whole career for and for some some of the proudest moments of their career so international breaks aren't all bad we can't just wait for the World Cup or the Euros or the Copa America. Um, you do have to have them friendlies and, and things like that sometimes. But in this episode, we are talking about the best of the best that did not win a cap for their country. There are some seriously good players in this list. Uh, not sure how some of these were overlooked for a cap, but here we are. Maybe that's just the quality on show in the positions for some of these countries. So, yeah, this week we're doing the top 10 players who never won an international cap. Now, before I get into the top 10, I've got one honourable mention. It's a goalkeeper. It's Sebastian Rossi. So he was the goalkeeper of that great Milan side of the late 80s, early 90s. So, you know, the one with the likes of Maldini, Baresi and the Dutch trio of Hullet, Van Basten and Rijkaard and Rossi. Yeah, he played for Milan for a number of years. Of course, had a very good clean sheet record with that defence in front of him. But yeah, he never got a cap for Italy, unfortunately. Uh, so that is my one honourable mention. We're getting to the top 10 now. So at number 10, I have got Sylvain Distan. Very good centre-back. Someone I would have taken at Arsenal at the time that Sol Campbell left. He had a very long career in the Premier League and I believe... He's still got the record for the most appearances uh, in Premier League history by a foreign outfield player. He won an FA Cup at Portsmouth, and I think you could probably describe him as a legend or at least a cult hero at Man City and Everton as well. Uh, at Everton in 2014, he announced his international retirement, uh, which is pretty funny, despite obviously not having any caps. And yeah, I mean, to play over 500 Premier League games for a number of teams, win an FA Cup with Portsmouth, and although it wasn't the Man City that we're seeing now, it was a team that was challenging in Europe, Everton were challenging in Europe as well. So to be that level of player, uh, that's one of the first names on the team sheet in that, that sort of Premier League side shows what a good player he was, and he was a good leader as well. At number nine, I've gone with an Italian goalkeeper, I've gone with Cudicini, but no, it's not Carlo Cudicini. It is his father, Fabio. He was the goalkeeper of also another AC Milan side, a bit earlier than Rossi's one. It was the one in the 70s who beat Cruyff's Ajax side. And I think the reason really that he never got a cap is mainly down to the great Dino Zoff, who played to the age of 40, and also at the start of his career, Albertosi, who was Italy's... Euros winning goalkeeper in 1964. He's in the top 15 of all time for Italian goalkeepers when it comes to clean sheets and 
it was a toss-up, really, between him and Sebastian Rossi. But the reason I chose Giudicini was just because he didn't have that defence of Maldini, Baresi, Costa-Curta in front of him. So I just think he probably had a bit more to do. So that's why he makes number nine for me. At number eight, I've gone with Ron Chopper-Harris. So Jordan will like this one. Chopper was his nickname, which sort of gives you a clue to how he played. But to be fair, in the 60s and 70s, it was all a little bit like that. Dirty Leeds, for example, was, was a famous team from that era. And yeah, he was one of the toughest tackling defenders around. And before John Terry came along, he was probably Chelsea's most or one of their most successful captains of all time. So yeah, really good leader, long spell at Chelsea. He had Bobby Moore to compete with and Jack Chong to compete with for starting spots for England, but I, I still think he should have got somewhere in the squad and a cap somewhere. So he is one of the greatest Englishmen to never win a cap for me. At number seven, a Scotsman, and I'm going way back for this one. That's a name you probably wouldn't have heard, but that is David Halliday. So he played in the 1920s and the 1930s. Uh, he started off his career in Scotland, but he had a very successful career in England as well. And he holds various goal-scoring records, such as the fastest player to get 100 league goals in England, the only player ever to score 30 league goals in four consecutive seasons. And he also got over 100 goals in Scottish league as well. So he got over 100 in Scotland, over 200 in England. And yeah, it was just a super prolific striker. He played for Sunderland mainly and yeah, he's, I think he's one of their top scorers of all time and he's one of the few people to have won the Golden Boot in England and in Scotland as well. At number six, I've gone with Stefan Kloss, the stalwart of that Dortmund team and stalwart of Rangers as well. He won it all at club level. He won the Champions League. I remember when I Sort of really got into uh, the Scottish Premier League, old firm, Rangers versus Celtic. He was always there in goal for Rangers. He got chipped by Henrik Larsson that time, didn't he? But he was a super keeper. Won a lot with Rangers, won a lot with Dortmund. The reason he didn't get a cap was the fact that he was German. Any other country, I think he gets multiple caps. Just the sort of calibre that Germany had in the 90s. And early 2000s for goalkeepers was insane, just to name three. Three main ones, Oliver Kahn, Jens Lehmann, Andreas Kerbka. I mean, that is some doing to have to compete with that. And as a goalkeeper, it's obviously a lot harder to win a cap. There's not as much rotation in there. So, yeah, if he wasn't German, I think you're guaranteeing that, that he's getting the cap, really. And, yeah, to show what sort of star power he had when he first signed for Rangers in '98. He was being paid on a similar level to David Beckham and R9, the Brazilian Ronaldo. And that, that sort of shows the calibre of the player that the Rangers had. And obviously it's very rare that a player of that level will be playing in the SPL these days. And no one in the SPL will be able to afford those sort of salaries these days either. But yeah, they really wanted him and they were willing to pay big bucks to get him. At number five... Proper throwback player for me, this. It's Ailton. So he's Brazilian. He's a striker. So And he played predominantly around the sort of early 2000s was when he was at his peak. 
So you think of all the great, great Brazilian strikers that were around in the late 90s and early 2000s. I mean, it's very, very hard to get into that Brazil team. You've got to be an all-time great. But Elton was a Bundesliga great. He was one of the top scoring foreign players in German football history. He won the Bundesliga in 2004 with Werder Bremen, which was a big shock at the time. And he's an absolute legend at Werder Bremen. And yeah, he he's probably most famous for his appearance. Um, I, I don't want to be disrespectful of the great Elton, but yeah, he was rather on the larger side. Uh, maybe that's why as well. Another reason which he maybe they didn't think he was good for international football. But yeah, he was... He was a big, big thing at the time. He was quite often featured on Match Magazine and 442, which I used to read sort of on a weekly basis when I was a, a kid. So, yeah, he's a prominent name from my childhood. And, yeah, I think as a goal scorer, he's well up there and one of the best ever to not get a cap. At number four, and this is heavily influenced by Alex on this one, and that is Bert Troutman. So Troutman actually sneaked into our top 10 greatest goalkeepers of all time. I mean, it's a really good story, his career. He's probably most famous for dislocating his neck in the 1956 FA Cup final and carrying on and leading the team to victory. And he did actually win the Football Writers Player of the Year that season. And that was him becoming the first goalkeeper to win that award. And actually that season, 1956, Stanley Matthews, on the Ballon d'Or. So for a goalkeeper to win the league best player or the football writer's best player in the same se- in the same season that Stanley Matthews was awarded the Ballon d'Or sort of tells you how good of a season that was and how good he was. I think the reason he didn't get a cap in his career, partly political, German playing in England just after the World War. And the timing of it, the World War itself, meant he didn't start his career until the age of 25, which isn't as bad if you're a goalkeeper. Um, but, you know, you, you've still got a chunk of your career missing then and less of a chance to play. So, yeah, he, he's a top keeper, a really inspiring story that he's got, actually, which we're going to a bit more detail on our top 10 goalkeepers episode, which we did a few months back. So go and check that one out as well. Number three, I've gone for Paolo Di Canio. Absolute magician of a footballer. Lit up the Premier League for a few years. He did spend a season in Scotland as well with Celtic. Only one player of the season there too. Obviously he scored some absolute worldies. The Wimbledon one, that's probably his most famous goal. But for me, I, I love the goal that he scored against Chelsea. Where he flicked it over someone's head and then just smashed it in from about 30 yards out. Italy... They've had some great strikers. They've not necessarily been blessed with tons of attacking midfield type players. Uh, there's Baggio, there's Totti. There's not loads in his position. I think he should have really got a cap, but his, his character, his behaviour off the field, that would have been the reason he's never capped. Um, his political views as well can be a bit uh, suspect, shall we say. But you can't deny what a talent this guy was. I mean, he was miles better than everyone he, he was playing with at West Ham and at Sheffield Wednesday as well. And he should have been playing for bigger clubs, no disrespect to them. And yeah, he should have been getting, what, 10, 20 Italy caps at the very least. 
I'll move on to another Premier League great at number two, and that is Steve Bruce. Now, for me, Steve Bruce was probably the first name I thought of when this topic came up. He always gets brought into these debates. It is a bit baffling that uh, Steve Bruce has never been capped for England. There was a rumour that he was looking to be capped for Ireland. I think it was around 1994 uh, at the World Cup, and that's, that's the World Cup anyway that England didn't qualify for. I think Jack Charlton got quite a lot of English-born players to play for Ireland, and Steve Bruce would have been a great addition to that World Cup squad, even at his age. Captain of Man United for a bit, won some Premier League titles, scored a lot of goals for a defender as well. And yeah, it's just, it's just baffling. If you look back at particularly England's Euro 92 squad, it was very, very weak. There was a lot of players there that you think don't belong anywhere near a tournament squad, whereas Steve Bruce should be well in there. His leadership, his goal scoring, his defending, good in the air. Yeah, he was, he was a top player and he also seemed like, you know, a hard worker, a good character. I'm not sure why no England managers rated him enough to play him at the time. But there it is, and that's why he features so highly for me at number two on the list. And at number one, my greatest football player to never be capped for his country is Gabby. Gabby of Atletico Madrid for many years. Spanish. He's a centre midfielder, so if you're picking a country and you're picking a position around the 2000s, 2010s, Spanish centre midfielders is about as deep a talent pool as you can go. But even with that, for Gabby not to get a cap, 2014, he led Atleti to a magnificent league title win over some great Barcelona and great Real Madrid sides. There was one game in particular I remember watching that season when they got to the Champions League final and they played Barcelona on the way. I think it was in the quarterfinal. He absolutely destroyed the Barcelona midfield. Just an amazing box-to-box midfielder. Real energy, not the typical Spanish player necessarily, but maybe that's actually something that they was missing a little bit. He's got a different play style. Like a lot of these players on this list, fantastic leader. Yeah, he just played with so much energy. He's a proper Diego Simeone player. That's exactly the sort of player that embodies that Diego Simeone Atleti team. He won, as I said, he won the league, got to a couple of Champions League finals. Unfortunately, he did leave Atleti before they won the La Liga title last season. But yes, a lot of... Appearances in La Liga, over 500. An Atletico Madrid legend, I'd say potentially a La Liga legend. And it's it's crazy, it's bonkers that he never got a cap for Spain. But yeah, this is this is Spain we're talking about. I did another podcast about the best players to never go to an international tournament. And Guti was on that list. He only got 13 caps. So it shows you how hard... It is to get in that Spain side, but even so, Gabby, Gabby's an absolutely fantastic player, one of my favourite non-Arsenal players, and yeah, he's number one for me. And that rounds off my ten. Thank you for listening. Let's hope these international breaks don't last too long, and we can get back to some club football. And of course, remember to 
like and leave us a rating, whatever podcast platform you listen to, and to keep it. Three, 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 three. No, 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 no.